Welcome in to the uh, Longhorn live stream on On Texas Football. Happy Friday afternoon to everybody. My name is Jerry Hamilton, joined by Justin Wells, top right, Ian Boyd, bottom right. Uh, and this is your weekly Friday Longhorn live stream, eight days away. Count them eight. What, Justin, is that Jordan Shipley days away I hear for you? Jordan Shipley days away, eight days away. Here we go. We have or some Van new- Malone. I'm a big Van Malone Van fan. Van Malone. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Still coaching at K-State, right? I lost track of him. Um, but, I did, too. Uh, I was looking that up yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> heck of a defensive back. I believe Kempner High is where he went. I could be mistaken on that. Uh, but today we're going to hit on all your uh, Longhorn football questions, recruiting questions, Brett Yormark trash talk, Joey McGuire trash talk, you know all of it. We'll take it all in today, have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, right off the bat, we're going to get to uh, the news last night, Maurice Blackwell's mom posted on Facebook publicly that Maurice was out two to four weeks with an MCL injury. Um, I don't, we don't really know what grade that is, kind of what, how long that will be. Will that be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? We can't really speculate or say on this uh, at this time on that. But I did want to get you guys instant reaction to that because it's been a pretty good, pretty in- much injury-free fall camp. There's always some nicks and bruises some guys have. They go get an MRI on a shoulder or a knee or something, but everything's checked out. First uh, injury of note this uh, this fall has been Maurice Blackwell. So, Ian, from a football perspective, linebacker in special teams, what are kind of your initial thoughts and read on that? Um, I can't I cannot tell you that I'm very familiar with his special teams role, but he is the backup weak side linebacker. So it was like Benda, Blackwell, Hill. And then probably the starting Sam linebacker. So it's going to go Blackwell, Hill, whoever else. Um, Hill now has more paths to the field. I think Anthony Hill may be the starting Sam linebacker. uh, If they use that against, I mean, honestly, they may use that against Rice and Alabama. Both those teams like to play heavy with big blockers in the field. You get an extra linebacker on the field and, that's likely to be Anthony Hill a lot more than it would have been uh, with Blackwell out. Probably Jet Bush picks up some slack as well. But, uh, I mean, I think the biggest the biggest takeaway from that is that Hill just got yeah. a couple more pass to the field. Yes. He's already, yes. He's already taken that, that path pretty aggressively, it seemed like. Justin? Black is your, is your twitchy linebacker. You don't like losing that. He's no. the guy that's got he's all he's got that suddenness. He is he's a very good athlete, especially in space. And so this is one that's good. This is gonna sting a little bit. But like Ian said, Anthony Hill, number zero, step on up. Hey, and this is goes into look what Sark said. They can have more physical practices. And I'm not saying this was a physical practice when he got hurt, but I'm just saying fall in general. Sark's commenting on having better depth liking where they're at on their one through 85 roster and they can have more physical practices that means they know they have better depth this year um justin before we get into where you're going to be tonight where i'm going to be friday night lights live thread on inside texas about it right now i'm yes, going to sir. take a second for our sponsor of the longhorn live stream that's andy ludicky are you looking to diversify you may be someone like me well, Bobby, that has their hands in multiple businesses, and Andy can help you <laughs> diversify by finding few businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. Bobby did it himself. Andy at My Perfect Franchise. 
Net. Thank you very much, Andy Ludicky, for being the sole sponsor of the Longhorn live stream on Fridays. Uh, high school football season got underway in Texas last night. Aaron Hampton put on a little bit of a show against Gladewater yes. High, 52-32, 52 yard tunnel, screen catch, spin, run, blah, blah, blah. Hurdled somebody else later in the game, you know, doing Aaron Hampton things. Um, Daniel Cruz and Richland beat Mansfield. Legacy 23-21 last night. While that's of note, offensive linemen, they don't put out a ton of huddle and have a lot of those right. on social media. He started at center. So credit to the Richland High staff for putting aside that he's their best left tackle and helping this kid's development for the future. Not every high school coach does that, and they deserve credit for giving Daniel Cruz time at center this year. He'll play left tackles. Well, he played D-tackle last night along with center, but they're – helping develop him into the best player he can be starting as a senior in high school. Not a lot of high school coaches, not many high school coaches do that. So credit to them. Justin, you're going to make that short trip south. Going to go through Nacogdoches. What? You're not going to, you're not going to get south to die ball or yeah. And now die ball's a little south of Lufkin, but you're heading. I'm not going that far. You're running 59 south this afternoon. So tell everybody where you're going to go. I'm not going as far as Jermichael Finley land. Right. I, I, I'm keeping it more in Jaron Thompson territory. Exactly. Um, Wait, no Reggie McNeil mention? Come on. No, no Reggie McNeil mentions. None. None. Man, you remember that quarterback recruitment when him and Vince were on the <laughs> on the cover of Dave Campbell's Texas? Listen, Reggie and Reggie was a badass baseball player, too. Yeah, like, that dude player. could throw. He had an arm. Um, no, I'm going to hang out in Lufkin tonight. They've got a defensive tackle, 2025, Texas fans should be familiar with. Zion Williams, about 6'3 and a half, over 300 pounds. Uh, already has some big offers. Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, TCU, Notre Dame. Um, he's, he's a kid that's it's, he's going to be in high demand over the next 12 to 18 months. Going to check him out. They're hosting Tyler Legacy, uh, former Tyler Lee. New head coach is Bo Trahan, oh, former yeah. Longhorn captain. New DB coach is Lee Jackson, former – Longhorn safety and linebacker, Longview X. And so there's some there's some East Texas flavor and some Texas flavor at Legacy right now. And so we're going to head down to Lufkin. And I'm also taking our trusty photographer, Will Gallagher. He's going to be cool. down there as well. We're going to he's going to be down there to take a ton of shots. And so um, Abe Martin Stadium, we will see you tonight. What about you? Like, Where are you be? There's been a lot of great games played at Abe Martin Stadium over the years. I mean, you and I have been – Man. I don't know if we've ever been to one at the same time, but uh, we've been to so many great games at Abe Martin Stadium. I'm, You know what? I've gone back and forth between Cypher Bridgeland and Atascacita Dickens. I'm actually going to go to Atascacita Dickinson. Um, Tyler Thomas, the junior left tackle, very high on the board, with, along with Michael yes. Susie for Texas. Like, you're looking at Zion, the 2025 D tackle, him and Dylan Ballard at the top of the D – Tackle board in the state of Texas in 2025. What get a good look at uh, Nate Kibble? Atasca uh, Seed has a lot of really good young players. Obviously, Tory Blaylock, 2025 running back, and Dickinson's loaded. All those fast guys people used to see playing at Lamarck, they all go to Dickinson now. Um, so Dickinson has a lot of speed. It's going to be a little bit of a revenge game because Atasca Seed got up on them quickly and beat them down last year. So I'm interested to go to that game tonight. Uh, Ian, somebody asked if you shaved, man. You're getting some uh, questions about your uh, the facial hair in in the comments right now. Have you started shaving, Ian? Yeah. Well, I use the uh, clippers usually. <laughs> I was, was going to say, 
I didn't even know. Shadow. I didn't. When do you get five o'clock shadow? Like three days later? <laughs> uh, pretty fast because I have dark hair. Yeah, there you go. Hey, somebody, Frank says Tory Blaylock, he's a blazer, the junior running back for Tasty. He can fly. There's no doubt. But look, Justin and I know about this one. His dad could roll out of Atlanta, <laughs> Texas. His dad could freaking run. And now his dad trains a lot of these kids in the East Houston area. So uh, Tory knows exactly how to pick him up and put him down with running form. And he will test very well at any combine he goes to. Um, guys, get your questions in now. I mean, a lot, a lot of great questions coming in. But uh, go ahead and get your questions in now. Uh, Ian, I want to uh, – somebody asked about K.J. Lacey. Let's bring this up. How high we'll be on TV tonight. K.J. Lacey end up in the rankings, number 11 quarterback currently. First of all, him and Sarah Land are on the ESPN Family Network tonight. They're playing Lipscomb Academy out of Nashville. Lipscomb Academy, I believe their quarterback's going to Tennessee. Uh, but K.J. Lacey, Ryan Williams, as good as we'll see at receiver, as uh, good as I've seen in the last few years at receiver, Alabama commitment 2025, and Antonio Coleman 2025, D. Lyman, Texas, is offered. Those three guys at Sarah Land. K.J. Lacey, he's going to end up higher than 11. I, I can tell you that. I know that a couple of guys may reclass. That could shift some rankings around. Uh, but if K.J. Lacey's not a top-five quarterback in the class uh, after seeing him in person in June, at seven on seven in Sarah Land, talking to the coaches. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be very surprised. Uh, somebody's. By the way, Justin, somebody's asking if uh, Lufkin games on TV tonight. I don't know that. I'm sure it's streamed somewhere, but I haven't seen it. I yeah, I haven't seen that either. Check Twitter, but check, but make sure when those tweets go out for people that are that there are a lot of bots that push out a lot yes. of bad tweets that push out a lot of bad links when it comes to streaming. So just look at the account. If it's got 100 followers, I wouldn't click on that link. Look for a reputable one. Dave Campbell's Texas Football sometimes has that on there, but Twitter's a good search for that. I'd be surprised if it's not streaming somewhere. Not yeah. In 2023, a big game like that, I feel like yeah. it will. And, yeah. and, Rob, as soon as we do get that info, check out InsideDexas.com. We'll, we'll make sure and put a link in there in the thread. So we'll take care of you, buddy. Uh, Cliff Beckman, we're teeing one up for Ian. Which defense is better against Alabama? The 4-3 with Texas going big or their three down, given that Bama's going to try to run the ball against us? Well, Texas's big formation is a 3-4. It's right. not really that different. Uh, what they could do is um, play three, like play an extra big guy. Someone might go like, well, it probably will go Collins, Sweat, Murphy, Take Burke off the field, put Sorrell in Burke's spot, take the nickel off the field, or since it's Jedi Barron and he's really good, play him in another position and take that guy off the field, and then add Jet Bush or Anthony Hill instead of a nickel as the outside linebacker. So that's what they're going to do when Alabama plays with two tight ends, um, which Alabama might do a lot because I don't know – how good their receivers really are this year. And it sounds like it's going to be Jalen Milrow. And I don't know how good he's going to be at throwing to him either way. And they have a lot of big blockers at tight end to play. So I think they're going to line up big and just run it six, six different ways with Milrow running gun option with, uh, 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 who's there? McKellen and, and the other, yeah. the other main guy. Jamari and Miller is their starter. And Justice Haynes, they love the freshman. He's going to – Yeah, like Miller's their main guy right now. He's they the got, starting they got a half dozen that are 
worth knowing the name of. <laughs> hey, Ian, I, I want to ask a question because we've had we talk about it on the Monday morning, uh, the coffee and football. And thank you for all hundreds and sometimes thousands of people that are on that. And just like here, I know we got so many people growing every day and we thank you all you guys. I love hearing where you're tuning in from, by the way. Um, Ian, how I've, I've said the Alabama game from a Texas offensive perspective is an offensive line game, because if you want to go more 11 personnel, your running backs, your chip help. And that puts a lot of pressure on your offensive line and pass protection against the most talented defense that Texas will see by far this year. How important to you is offensive line play, not only in that game this season if you're going to play more 11 personnel? Yeah, well, for, for that game, I mean, you got to play pretty good on the line just not to get buried. Mm-hmm. Right? The Alabama will bury you if you are bad on the offensive line. Um, they have – they could play Dallas Turner and um, I'm blanking on – they have like two – Two other five-star edges that are emerging. Yeah. Chris Braswell. 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 Yep. They got another one coming up the ranks that is like freakish in some regard. Uh, their defensive tackles are really good. They have Jaheim Otis. They have some other really good guys inside. Um, with Bobby, I don't know if anybody watched Bobby talking to uh, uh, UC- Rick Neuheisel on his show a couple of weeks ago. But Neuheisel saw an Alabama practice, and he turned to his uh, co-host, and he's like, if I had – just like one or two of these defensive tackles, I'd still be coaching. Yeah. And they've got like five or six. Yeah. So they will, they will eat you up if you're not good. Um, for the rest of the season, they need to be really, they need to be really assignment sound up front in the middle. And I mean, ideally they'd be above average. They cannot give up easy, quick pressure on Quinn up the middle on from tackles or blitzes or, or what have you. Cannot happen. And ideally, teams are probably going to play off Texas this year because they have so many good receivers. And they're going to have a lot of opportunities to just maul people with the run game, with the spread run game. And uh, so they – I don't know how good they really need to be to do that, but they need to be pretty good at least. So that that's going to be very important as well. Hey, Justin, uh, we're not putting you on the spot on this one. We're both going to talk about this. Somebody asked, do you still like the confidence on your McKinley RPM? So, Does, does Justin, yes. do I still have confidence on my McKinley RPM? Yes, yes I do. Did y'all <laughs> see McKinley's highlights last night? Uh, he's he's so talented. He ragdolled a guard. Like, so picked talented. him up, threw him down, picked him up again, and then threw him down twice just for the hell of it. Yeah, no, he's that's what you need. Yeah, and that's what you get in Lafayette, Louisiana. Melvin Hills had a great game too, but Dominic McKinley was dominant last night. I think that was huge. Yes, Michael, I still do. I still feel confident uh, that that decision's coming up pretty quick, September first. We had a little update at InsideTexas.com this morning uh, at lunch. Jerry and I did uh, in the humidor. You can check that out. But yes, I still have confidence. I saw that Sam Spiegelman changed his pick last uh, during the week from LSU to Texas. And so uh, it'll be interesting next few days because it's, it's Texas A&M has some confidence. LSU is always going to be there pushing. He's got a great relationship with Larry Johnson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Todd Bates does a great job with D-line recruiting. So he's a five-star. So everybody's going to still come after him. But uh, I I like where Texas stands today. Yeah, I think uh, it's not going to surprise me if, 
and I'm not saying he's going to put out a top three or anything. If it wasn't Texas, Texas A&M and Ohio State, um, he really likes Larry Johnson. It's far, it's a long ways when your brother has Friday night games the next two years. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if internally it doesn't come down to Texas versus Texas A&M. It'll be interesting to see if that changes over the next few days. But I will tell people um, that, you know, I said it when Colin Simmons set his commitment date. He knew where he was going. But once you set that date, man, it puts the big X on you and your family. And you start to feel the pressure of the recruiting process. You do. Uh, I, talking to Sam Spiegelman, being at, at Katie Anna High on Tuesday, I think when Dominic set his date, he knew where he was going to. And I think he set that date way in advance of when he was making a decision. Yes, sir. So it's been a month of pressure buildup in this recruitment. Um, so it's been it's been a wild uh, ride. Uh, Joseph Diaz, hearing Kobe Black's working to be a January enrollee, that is correct. Kobe Black. Like, yeah, Kobe was always going to be yeah, early He's enrollee. always going to be. He's going to be a December Half graduate. his class is enrolling early. 100%. So, we, guys, we have a super chat, Elijah Perez. Do you all have a team in recent history that might compare to what Texas could do this season? Not expecting 2019 LSU, but I wouldn't be mad. I don't think Texas has that, 2002. Boatload, that boatload of upperclassmen talent. LSU was loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not – no, not 2019 LSU. No. Give me Texas 2002. I get I get some some vibes from that group in this in this bunch. Hey Ian, what about Michigan last year? Uh, no, I well just when I think of Michigan last year, I think of uh, running Blake Corum twenty five times a game for two hundred yards and just mauling people. Oh, so I just I, meant, I just meant from a maybe kind of continuing the climb standpoint, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Quarterback that was kind of still progressing as a college football player. A lot of really good line talent. Different style, obviously. Hopefully hopefully yours is a little more – yeah, I mean, McCarthy may be close to where he is this year. They didn't really use McCarthy that much last year until like nope. the end of the year when they had to. Exactly. I and like he's been, he's been mocked. And yesterday he was mocked to go no, uh, number 21 in the first round to the Minnesota Vikings. J.J. McCarthy can sling it. It's just recording if Michigan's going to let him. I kind of like 2002 Texas. But, okay. Uh, there we go. There we go, like, Ian. I feel like that, that, feels, that feels pretty reasonable to me, right? You got like Chris Sims, but he was a senior. Um, but yours is going to – I'm, I'm thinking about that in the context. Yours, you get one more year with yours. You, you're in your, you're, you're, this was their second year with, with bet with Benson, which is going to be the first with Baxter. So that's a little different than the O one group. The O line isn't as, I can't say it isn't as big because it was Mike Williams and, and yeah, Leonard Davis and those guys. Yeah, um, those big old boys back then. Yeah, those were those were large humans thirty years ago. Um, maybe two thousand. And then the defense. Texas. Why not two thousand one Texas? The freshman freshman DJ. Younger Sims, first year Benson. Oh, God, you might be right, man. Probably it. You might be right. And those receivers were were peaking. They were going into their junior season, that that great crop of receivers they had. Roy, Sloan, BJ, Ryan Nunez. Almost Um, made it to the playoffs, but it's better that they didn't, which may also be true of this Texas team. 
Yeah, I'm not talking about the 2001 Big 12 championship. That subject's not being brought up without a major contribution contribution from Super Chat. But that 01 group is very similar. Hey, one more question, a throwback, the, uh, throwback question. After Scott Speck, after watching Swamp Kings, would 2008 <laughs> Texas have beaten 2008 Florida? Yes. I'm I say no. I say no. Bull. No. Texas could counter Percy Harvin. That's why Texas would have been better. And if you watch that game, Oklahoma should have been up three touchdowns in that first half, and they screwed around in the red zone, and they let Florida hang around. That Texas team would have beaten Florida. <laughs> Ian? I actually wrote about this on my Substack a few weeks ago. I did a what if 2008 had had a playoffs. And I saw like, you know, because USC was very good that year. And uh, uh, well, Texas obviously was the other one that got left out. I I don't like that matchup for Texas for two main, two main reasons. One, that in a, that secondary for Florida was loaded. Joe Hayden, uh, Mod Black, Major Wright, who nearly killed Same a man thing. against Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Um, their line was good. That was going to be a tough matchup for Texas' passing game. And yeah. then the second reason is that Florida run game was thunderous. And when that, like when Texas ended up playing Ohio State, they had some problems early with Ohio State running the ball. Eventually, Muckleroy knocked Beanie Wells sideways, and Beanie Wells was like, no more of this. <laughs> and then they changed their offense. Remember that? Then they went prior. He took his, he took his helmet off, and he's like, I'm done with this game. Good luck, y'all. <laughs> and uh, Texas eventually overcame. So I just think that was a bad matchup. I, it would have been close, but I, I don't – I can't do it. I can't say it. Uh, we have a super chat here from Harry Orange Wookie. Say, um, anyone here loved the show Ian and Rod did? I thought it was a good change of pace and very entertaining. Y'all keep killing it, OTF hookup. Yeah, absolutely, tons of comedy. Great show. Look, Rod Babers is with us full time as far as YouTube stuff goes. Ian and Rod are gonna have shows weekly. Uh, Rod and myself will have the talk in football, which we're gonna get Rod the breakdown with me talk about recruiting and a lot of his evaluations on kids in the class. And we'll get into 2025. So Rod's a great addition. Rod's got great chemistry uh, with Ian. Their, their shows are going to be awesome. We're very excited about the future of OTF. And we can't thank all you guys enough for how much y'all are making it grow. And the more we grow, the more ability we have to keep adding things like that. So here's my only pitch. Keep liking and subscribing, guys. We'll keep building it out for you. Um, and we're going to get into some more questions here. Um, the Texas uh, – Victor Santiago, along that same line, the, the Texas offense with Colt was unstoppable. I think they beat Florida. Colt's legs would have been the difference. Fight me, LOL. <laughs> um, look, John Brown was hellacious at D-tackle for Florida. I, he was the best player that didn't make it off that team. I mean, he was a tremendous – I think the Florida defensive, defense was really, really good that year. I would have picked Florida tight. I could see why Justin and other people would pick Texas. Um, well, the, you have to understand too. Texas played a perfect game against Oklahoma in that in that Red River shootout, that forty-five thirty-five win. Like no Texas doubt. could not have played any better. That's true. And that was still that, that was about that was the margin with OU about ten points basically. So they would have had to pitch close to a no hitter with Florida again. And I'm starting to 
changed my mind a little bit because I listened to Ian's takes on it and, and everything. I still feel like they have a counter for Percy Harvin, but yeah, okay. the but old they, line at Texas wasn't dominant that year. The yeah, running game that's the wasn't issue. dominant that year. Uh, Obanaya was good, but he wasn't dominant. It was all on Colt's arm. And, and But, man, Cosby and Shipley found every seam, hole in every zone. It would have been such a good matchup. That's a great question. It would have been, it would have been a fun game for sure. They, they, uh, uh, when Texas played OU that year, they saved the Shipley flex tight end deal. And yes. when they hit Oklahoma with that, Brent Venable oh. had no idea what to do about it. No, it was it, it, yeah, that's exactly right. I, you, know, you know what's crazy? We've all been watching Texas for so long. That, as far as in a game, a momentum changing play for Texas in a game, the Shipley kickoff return that year has to be top five for me as far as a momentum changing play. Maybe Michael Griffin INT against USC in the title game. Yep. Because USC was starting to feel it before Reggie Bush started, you know. Uh, yep. <laughs> but that Shipley kickoff return, and we had Jackson obviously on this morning. We didn't ask him about that. I, I We did not ask Jackson about his memory of that game and then maybe the national title game when he was younger. Uh, but that kickoff return, guys, that has to be a top five momentum changing play in a big game Texas has had in my years covering Washington. No question. Four, it was 14 to nothing. It, you, you don't return that kick, you get left behind this offense. Sam Bradford, Jermaine Grisham, Gresham, Taper, lethal. Yep, no doubt about it. Another one for that game, how about, um, I believe it was like third and 20 in 2018. They throw a tunnel screen to Lil Jordan Humphrey, and then they push him in the whole Oklahoma defense for about 18 yards, line up in fourth and two, just immediately line up in fourth and two, quarterback outside zone. Ellinger runs him over, first down, and you could just tell Oklahoma was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no doubt about it. Um, again, let's uh, – okay, here, here we go. He, uh, this is our guy. He asked about Devin Sanchez weekly. Uh, just, I'm actually going to get out to North Shore next week, um, check on Devin. Look, it's going to be a long recruitment. Uh, Texas will get him on campus again. People are asking about Ohio State. I say this all the time. The far, far away stuff sounds great early in the process. You go on all your visits. but as And I'm not saying Devin won't go far away from home, but I, what I'm saying is as these recruitments go on and that decision starts to get here and get closer and closer, those conversations change between families. So we'll see on Devin Sanchez, Justin, Texas is going to be in it. AM is going to be in it. LSU, he's at North Shore. LSU is going to be in it, guys. And, you know, he's going to take his visit. He's one of the top corners in the country. But I do think at the end of the day, Texas, Texas AM will be in that top five and we'll get him on campus multiple times. No question. Best corner in the class, best corner in the state for his for his class, one of the top in the country. Ohio State's got that that early lead, but it's like you said. They're 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 kind of the the new the new car smell right now and and not not so much in recruiting but with with Sanchez right. the thing to remember with Devin is going to be a pattern with North Shore DBs do they stay close to home or is it smarter when they go further away right there's a doubt because the Devin the Denver Harris proviso has to be a factor. You have to consider that. And I'm not saying Devin Sanchez is that way. If anything, if I've learned early, Sanchez is not like Denver Harris. Oh, good. But 
we learned sometimes staying close to home is the worst decision. It's the bad decision. It's the one you shouldn't so, make. Justin, what you're saying is if a North Shore DB goes to Texas, they have success. If they don't, they probably don't. So, you know, look, I mean, that's if you're going to stay close to home, Shockey Brown, Joe Walker. Star, if you're going to show up and if you're going to show up in College Station and go hang out in the bathroom at South Carolina, that's on you. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I was going to say, okay, Jerry's GPS, and I'm that's not me, obviously, and it is a funny name. Um, the play it's, in it's a sock account. Come on, <laughs> it's like I one was, of Kevin Durant's burners. I wish I was that smart, honestly, uh, but I'm clearly <laughs> not. My vocabulary tells you that story every time I'm on these live streams. The play and execute to who they are all season, but scheme to the defensive key weaknesses are there each week. But for Sark to basically revamp for the Washington game. I think is very flexible. That was in a conversation. Um, but what I wanted to ask Ian is strengths and weaknesses of the Texas defense this year, in your opinion. I'm le- that I use that to kind of lead into a question for those that may have not heard your opinion on the strengths and weaknesses eight days away. Strengths and weaknesses of the Texas defense. From what we can tell right now, the biggest one is probably like the boundary weak side run defense. I don't know if it's really going to be a problem because they just have so many good players and they have Catalan potentially cleaning it up. But Benda and Burke are going to need to prove it. They're going to need to show they know how to handle counter. Then it can handle if the team gets big and comes right at them. Um and then I worry, I would worry a little bit about depth at safety if uh, Catalan is injured and they have to move Jaron into his role. I don't know if they have, Jaron is the only guy that I think for sure can play to the wide side of the field and not get attacked. Like Taff is a pretty reliable player, but if you put him in that much space, I think it can be a problem. Allen, I think, is a little bit young for that. I don't know if he's got quite the range for that or not. Derek Williams can do it, but he's only a true freshman. Keaton Crawford, we'll see how he's come along, but it was tough for him last year. They have a lot of safeties that could probably be pretty good, but I don't know how many can be good if they get attacked and they get a little bit exposed. So that's those. that would be probably the two, probably the two biggest weaknesses. Everything else looks awfully strong. Like a lot of their other problems are like, how do we get Manny Muhammad on the field? And right, how do we maximize Anthony Hill without asking too much? You know, it's yeah. not, not big problems. There you go. Uh, Zane Striegel, who's you guys' college football? Who's in you guys' college football playoffs this year? We're, hey, look, we have football tomorrow, guys. Notre Dame and Navy across the pond, San Jose State at USC. I mean, say there, hey, some of the guys will be on the couch all day. Not me watching Hawaii and Vanderbilt and all, but I'm not. But I will watch Notre Dame. It's to see Marcus Freeman year two and obviously Lincoln Riley year two, even though they'll run up and down the field. I actually want to see Zakai Branch in that offense tomorrow night is one thing. Uh, but college football playoffs this year. So I think this is going to be Michigan's Harbaugh's best team at Michigan. I'm just, I don't know if Ian agrees. That's my opinion. He's got 12 upperclassmen with NFL draftable grades. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. And they've got 
he's kind of gotten over that hump. It's actually there's more pressure on Ryan Day this year than at any time at Ohio State, in my opinion. I'm going Michigan. You got to go Georgia just because of the talent level. I do think it'll be interesting breaking in a new OC and quarterback. I think Carson Beck's very talented, though. But breaking in new OC and quarterback, um, you know they're going to be great on defense, well-coached team on defense, and they have so much depth and talent on the lines. They're just very deep football team. Yeah. Um, after that, it gets interesting, guys. Who, who do you all like? I, those are the two teams I'm pointing to right now, and then I'm kind of sitting back looking at the rest of it. I've been working on this in my Substack. I've got eight teams that I think are reasonable contenders. And I think the top four that I'm going to settle on are going to be Michigan, Georgia, USC, and then I think maybe Florida State. That's an interesting one. Um, Washington, Washington, Texas, Ohio State, uh, LSU. Yeah. Also are all, I think, have a really good chance. But Florida State's got this really nice blend of like veteran leadership. They're good in the right places and their schedule is pretty navigable, except for they open against uh, LSU, I think. So they, they, I think they trade the home and home off from last year. It's in Orlando. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. It's basically a home game. Yeah. That's going to be whew, that game. When is that one? Week after? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there you go. All right. Uh, y'all were Russell Hinkle. Y'all reported that Gavin Holds is making a late push for the starting job. Do y'all see him overtaking Brooks? I, I'll comment on this. Look, all four corners are going to play a lot. Yes. The starter is almost just the first guy who runs out there, right? Ultimately, this is going to be decided on the field. Who are the guys that are playmakers? Anybody that's listening to start, they want to create more turnovers. To create more turnovers, you have to have guys making plays. Who are the playmakers without being totally roasted and blowing coverages? But who are the playmakers of this standout four group are eventually going to get the most playing time? I mean, there's certain games. Ryan Watts has is going to be very important in the run against Bama, right, Ian? But over the course of the season – who is the who are the playmakers? Who's going to cause turnovers? Who's going to make momentum change in plays? I think Texas defense they want to see more of that this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, guys. I don't know what y'all's thoughts are at corner. Terrence Brooks is the most talented corner in the in that room, <clears throat> and so if Gavin is making a push, that's a plus. But but Jerry, you nailed it. Those, those four corners are going to play. Those are the four corners they're looking for right now. Those those four are going to play. There could be some more. As a matter of fact, it's just going to be according to what they run and, and what they see the first few weeks of the season. But it, it, it's going to be good. I mean, that's a good thing. If Holmes is pushing, that's huge because Terrence Brooks has as much talent as anybody in that cornerback room. Um, Ian? Well, then maybe they'll just go by uh, matchups, you know? Yeah. Like they did not. That's not how they've done it up till now. But, you know, Paul was Paul was saying this when I was talking to him about it. Maybe it's Gavin Holmes when the other team has this burner out there. Yeah, because Gavin's your speedster. Because he's so fast and so sticky. And then maybe it's Brooks when you just want to jam people up. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Doug O'Neill has an interesting question. I've heard Quinn Ewers has a winning pedigree. Can a QB have a winning pedigree with only 25 games played in high school? 
Uh, perfect at 1,000 grade, but that was through eight games his junior season. I think that's always an interesting topic, guys, um, because winning pedigree to me is a little different. Like Peyton, Eli, and Arch never won a state title in high school. Okay. Garrett Gilbert could have played at Isidore Newman, and just because he won two state titles at Lake Travis, he wasn't winning one at Isidore Newman either. But anybody that thinks Peyton, Eli, and Arch, if they hadn't played Lake Travis or Westlake, and they wouldn't have led 16-0 and 0 teams, I don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, some of that stuff, wins, losses, can be a bit overblown um, as far as the winning pedigree stuff goes. But, I mean, look, Quinn only played 25 games in high school, and I'm one of the people that believes with him, guys, leaving, not playing his senior year, set back, set his, his leadership stuff back a lot because you weren't being put in the position to lead that team as a senior, lead that South Lake community that has so much history in it. Uh, so you went up to Ohio State and were just kind of forgotten about, it, except for a couple of handoffs late in the game and uh, uh, scout team reps all season. So the winning pedigree stuff is interesting to me, guys. I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but I think it can be overblown a little bit both ways. Uh, but I can tell you that there's been a lot of quarterbacks. Reggie McNeil won state and Vince Young didn't. Who would you rather have? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I, Anybody? <laughs> I, I don't have much to add to it. I, I I don't think the winning pedigree is 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 the referendum. I don't think that's the the baseline. I think it's production and what you do with the team. In his junior year, he took a team at Southlake to the state championship. And let me tell you something: they had no business beating Duncanville the no. week before. Great call. None. Great call. No business. And, and Quinn Ewers shred samples defense. Like it was nothing. And so you got to kind of – and plus he played in that state championship against Westlake with three broken ribs and a sports hernia. Yeah. So he was also injured. So it, it's – I like what you said, Jerry. It's an interesting conversation starter, but I, I, I do think the winning pedigree is kind of a little bit overblown. It's, it's really how you produce against who you produce against. And for those 25 games, Quinn Ewers was the best quarterback in the country. Troy Aikman was like losing records until his senior year at Henrietta. Because he was in some small town nowhere. Yeah. They didn't have whatever the better Oklahoma schools had. But yeah, I, to, to uh, J- uh, Justin's point, I do think Quinn maximized pretty well at South Lake for how much he played. Right. Agreed. They went they went deep in his sophomore year. They went to the, fi- the finals in his junior year. Senior year could have won. That would have been interesting to see. He I think he still had a, 
Brady Boyd. He still had Boyd. And they had Owen. Owen, one of the best players in the state with a last name like that. So we'll never know. Guys, want to take a second again for our uh, sponsor of the Longhorn live stream on Fridays. That's Andy Ludicky. Are you looking to stuck stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general? Call Andy. He will take you through the process to help find a business that will fit your skill set and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everybody, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Call Andy Ludicky if you're looking to diversify. And that's andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Thank you to Andy for being the sole sponsor of the Longhorn live stream on Friday afternoon. Uh, Ian, Justin, we have a lot of questions in the chat about Every week, every every show we do about breakout players. Breakout player on defense, breakout player on offense. Ian, take offense. Justin, who you got on defense? I mentioned him earlier, Terrence Brooks. There you go. That's my breakout player this year. He flashed last year, especially the last month of the season. He had some of the best grades uh, towards the end of the season uh, and then played well in the bowl game against Washington. So my breakout guy, I might as well stick with him. I'm going to go with TB. Terrence Brooks. Ian, lay it on me. DJ Campbell. Love it. Ooh. Love it. You're not going to see it in the stats. Or he not if I mean you don't offensive linemen don't really have stats that you see in the box score, but uh keep an eye on him. Uh, keep an eye on how those rice defensive tackles look going up against him. He's yes. violent, man. Make, make sure your chin straps really buckle if you're a rice. Three times. You know, Jerry, I thought about DJ earlier when you were talking about Daniel Cruz, how he's playing center, but then he also played defensive line. And I remember Devin playing defensive line his senior year and having serious thoughts of he could be a defensive tackle in college easily. He was so violent, no so doubt. strong with his hands. And he's a lefty with good feet on the on the basketball court. I love that call in DJ. That's Campbell. a great call in. And for people that don't kind of know DJ's background. Oh, UT boy says John Tay Cook. You know, not a bad I, – I wasn't sure where UT boy was going with it, but he did go John Tay Cook for his – I'd offense. say John Tay next year. <laughs> um, hey, look, D, DJ Campbell, here's something to realize about him that Justin got into. His development curve, since he wasn't an early enrollee, was different than some other guys. He was a high school left and right tackle. He played a lot of snaps at D-tackle, as Justin was talking about. He never really concentrated on playing guard and everything that goes with playing guard. Um, steps are different. Peripheral, assignments, everything is different at that position without going deep in the weeds. Uh, he was on a different trajectory and learning curve than a lot of other linemen that have come into Texas. So keep that in mind. He was a five-star prospect, and I think people expected more out of him last year. But we've been talking about it for a long time. When you're a high school offensive tackle and defensive tackle, when you come in and you're playing guard at that level, sometimes it takes a little time to get comfortable um, with everything that goes into that position and really refine your technique. Uh, But year two, I think it's a great call by Ian Boyd. Uh, Here's a question here. Ian, how much, how do the bunch formations or spreading out of the wide receivers work with the run game versus three, three, five D's in the Big 12? The flyover. Yeah, the flyover defense. 
bunches bunch is good for getting guys open. You can <laughs> run. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> you, can I run, you can run the football from bunch if you have big physical blocking receivers like Jordan Whittington. But that three three five makes it tough. Like you watch like Michigan versus TCU last year. They had a trouble blocking TCU because you could tell their guys didn't even know who to block. The formation was so unorthodox and the angles were so different that the they won like the Joe Moore Award for best offensive line in the country. Michigan did. And uh, Dylan Orton had like four sacks and D Winters was in the backfield all day. And it's not because they couldn't block those guys. It's because they couldn't find them. So the way to get them is spreading them out extra wide is good. Um, unbalanced formations is good. Anything that helps the offense know, just kind of force that defense to have to distort its structure so that you can actually figure out who to block and not have guys that just come in running free and making a stop. Um, or just spread them out and throw the ball because that's what they really don't want you to do. So keep that in mind. Hey, uh, Ian, I got a question kind of different, but I want to I want to get your input on this one. Texas is, wants to play more man press this year. But in order to do that, they have to be pretty disciplined in their rush lanes, right? They have to be really disciplined. Fo- Playing against if Jalen Milrow, I think Bam will play two quarterbacks. I mean, they want Ty Simpson to be the guy. He's just not ready, maybe. But it, against Jalen Milrow, how would you attack Bama defensively if you're Texas? In, I mean, because you have to change. You have to change it up. You can't just go play four man. You can't play three man. You have to be multiple, right? How would you would you play man press? More band press against band because they don't have the Jets. They just can't take the top off at every position at wideout. They don't have four first-round picks and overwhelm you like they used to. How would you attack them? On uh, the early downs? Yeah. They would play their quarters where the safeties are flat-footed. And then you can play press outside, but then you have Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson have an eye on the backfield. So if Milrow slips out the edge or something happens, you know, they get an extra guy from running the quarterback, so they get a crease. Your safeties are going to get there real quick. And you really make them earn it all the way down the field. Um, and then on third down, I think that's where the Jalen Milrow scramble is kind of scary. I would rush three and spy. And I would spy with Anthony Hill. Or there you go. Whoever the, probably Anthony Hill's the right guy for that job. If there's a better guy, great. But I would, I would sub Anthony Hill in for Ethan Burke. But then instead of rushing him, let him wait, see what Milrow does. Because Milrow, I've watched that guy. He really, really just wants to pull it down and run. No doubt. Like Vince Young. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, you you take that away and things get real dicey. Don't worry about trying to don't worry about trying to get to him with the pass rush. Just force him to throw the ball. That's what's gonna kill him. Uh Zachary Kern has a good question. One more about the Bama Texas game then. Justin and I are going to give you the five-star recruiting report. We're going to go down, talk about the four, the five, four or five, five stars still on the board for those that are asking questions about recruiting. Nice. Do you guys think we try to eliminate the effectiveness of Bama's ends by running straight at them more than we think? Bama's secondary is elite too. How would you attack that Bama defense, Ian Boyd? I do that some, but you want to win the game with Adonai Mitchell, 
Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, Jordan Whittington catching the ball. I think that's how you – that's – I mean, that's been true for, like, what, 15 years now. That's why Texas almost beat Alabama in 2009, even without Colt McCoy. You throw on that secondary. You don't do it in the box. Uh, that's how Tennessee got him last year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I want I want to win that game throwing the ball if I can. That's why I think offensive line plays crucial in that game for Texas. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to run 11 personnel and challenge the field vertically, your offensive line is going to be on some islands against some future NFL draft picks. We're – that's going to be very telling for just how good the Texas offensive line can be and how multiple Sark can be as much as he wants to be this season against the best teams they play. Before we head into this five-star recruiting talk, here's a question uh, up from Kevin Nye. Guys, I'm going to try and watch the Soto versus Allen tonight if I can stream it. Do we have any prospects to watch on those teams? Yeah, Allen has Zena, Umeozulu, obviously. Uh, Texas – Recruitment to lose, I still believe, over Oklahoma, Texas A, and then maybe Oregon, a couple other people in there. Uh, that's one for Allen. Justin, one of Justin's favorite 2025 running backs over there for DeSoto. I, I, I know you want to talk about him. Tiger Ridden, man. This guy, DeAndre, they, 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 he led him to a state cha- help him win a state championship last year. That tailback is back. Listen, he was so good, they put a four-star running back, Trey Weisner, at receiver. DeSoto, pay attention to Tiger Ridden. I believe he's wearing number one this year. He, yeah. he got Jonte Cook's blessing. He, he, and so he he's going to wear number one. And look, DeSoto's, listen, you're, there's some other class. He, he, he got UT Boy's blessing to wear one. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> DeSoto has some younger guys, too. I know that uh, Texas just offered the big O lineman for 2025. Yeah. Um, they got and some you younger guys. Big, big is 6'8, 375, 380-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cam Williams sits in his shadow. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's like, good God, where are these kids growing? So those are the, to me, those are the two, the biggest names I think would be Zena and Tiger. That's going to be a good matchup. I like DeSoto in it if they get good quarterback play. Um, and Allen's just, Allen's, you know, Zena's playing some more middle linebacker this year. He, he, you know, he was playing the defensive line for the first two years on varsity now to get him more involved. He's having to play some middle linebacker. So I'm actually curious to see how he, how he holds up. Uh, C. Clear asked, K.J. Lacey playing that. K.J. Lacey, Sarah Land High. I believe that's ESPNU uh, against Lipscomb Academy tonight. Uh, K.J. Lacey, Ryan Williams, great wide receiver, five-star in 2025, committed to Bama. And Antonio Coleman, four-star defensive lineman uh, that Texas has offered in 2025, teammates of um, K.J. Lacey. Justin, uh, before we got, we got some football questions, super, tra- super chats coming up. Five-star, let's update him. We've talked about Donovan McKinley. It looks like it could be headed to a Texas, Texas A&M kind of final two. We'll see. Ohio State's in there. LSU's not giving up, obviously. Oklahoma's because Todd Bates is still in there. We, I think we both agree that farther you get from home, it's not driving distance. It's tougher because of his brother being a sophomore at Acadian and having two years of high school football left. I'll let you get into Kobe Black. I'll talk about Brandon Baker. We'll just kind of ping-pong off these guys, and then you can get hit Ryan Wingo, and we'll finish up with Bussy. 10-4. Um, yeah, Kobe Black. I actually caught up with him last night. Uh, they're, they're, they're facing Mejia tonight. I'm actually going to go see him next week. Uh, that, that, that Waco has a, a little rivalry in town between La Vega and Conley. 
And if, if you've ever watched those two schools, those are two scrappy, very, very athletic teams. And so I, I'm looking forward to that. Kobe Black still maintains he'd like to make a decision sometime during the season, it, towards the end of the season. But there's too many indicators right now that think that that's probably not going to go the distance. I, I think you could see something in early September, matter of fact. But Kobe's still maintaining that right now. But Texas is doing a great job. Listen, they, they have set the foundation for this recruitment. They've been the pace car since he took three, maybe I think four unofficials from the spring and summertime, um, they're, they're, they're selling him on coming in and being an early impact guy. I know the family clicks with him very well. I, I catch it with his dad, Keith, on a regular basis. Texas and Kobe still look in fantastic position. Watch Texas A&M and watch LSU. I think Oregon would be a sleeper, but I, I feel like Oregon's a lot of kids sleepers in the state of Texas. And that's Kobe Black. Brandon Baker, everything's pretty much remaining the same with him. Has Nebraska – Scheduled for an official visit September 16th. Uh, Texas, Oregon, Ohio State, still the top three there. Nebraska's trying to kind of upset and get in that top two or three. I think, look, Texas is going to be one of two at the end of the day on this. Is it going to be Texas versus Oregon? It's going to be Texas versus Ohio State. We'll see. Uh, the Oregon side doesn't think he's going to decide until October. That will be interesting to me. Um, it'll be interesting to see, does he get on campus at Texas again unofficially? Does he get on campus at Oregon again before he makes a decision? The, his, the modern day schedule where they have some road games doesn't really match up with Oregon home games. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets back on campus there. It'll be interesting to see if Texas can get him on campus that Kansas weekend. Texas was making a push to get Baker on that weekend, on campus that weekend, because DeAndre Carter is scheduled to officially visit Texas. DeAndre Carter commits on Sunday, probably Auburn over Texas and Michigan State. So does he still follow through and make a visit to Texas? We'll have to see on that. Uh, Justin, a couple of five-star receivers uh, still there um, on the board. Ryan Wingo, Terry Bussey. I know you went out to see Bussey. I don't think he played last night, so that's probably good. You had a chance to chat with him, uh, talk basketball and hoops with him too. But uh, Ryan Wingo, I think I'll set you up on that. Ryan Wingo still scheduled to be at Texas September 16th. Tennessee, September 30th. Same weekend's Danny Okoye is supposed to be at uh, Texas and Tennessee. Yep. But Ryan Wingo's still Missouri-Texas top two. Tennessee side thinks they're in it, probably running third right now. And and Tennessee has some confidence because he is looking at receiver play. And what they did with Jalen Hyatt last year really made an impression on him. He's a big fan of Josh Heupel. He likes the way they throw that ball around the the yard. And so I think for Texas – the best thing that they can do to get an edge on Missouri is throwing the ball early in the season. If we see Quinn Ewers out there ripping the ball, I think that helps Texas because Wingo is 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 paying attention to receiver play. That, to him, is a big factor. I think Texas has done a great job. Chris Jackson spent an entire day at St. Louis University in the, late in the spring just to hang out with, with not just Ryan, but the coaching staff, the teachers, the principal, the, I mean, the guy hung out with everybody to get a better feel for it. Ryan, that really resonated with their family. They, they love Coach Jackson and Coach Sarkeesian. So Missouri's the one that they're going to have to get up. That's the one that's – that's the proximity. There, that's some familiarity. He's got a lot of fa- – he's got friends on that team. And so the, Missouri's going to be the one that they're going to have to take over. But I feel like with, with, with Ryan Wingo, get him on campus that third week when they're playing Wyoming after a Rice win and after an Alabama win – and I think this recruitment is completely different. Wait, see, we don't, we don't need Justin season predictions. We just got it. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, shifting over to Terry Bussey, he is the consummate athlete, even though Texas is recruiting him at wide receiver. Chris Jackson is his primary contact right now. That's the guy he talks to the most. And I've had a hundred people ask me this. What position does Terry Bussey want to play in college? And I'm going to say it again. He does not care. He is one of those rare kids that really just wants to go where you think he should play. You know, with Alabama, Nick Saban's been more primary with him. So he's thinking, man, he coaches DBs. I think I'd probably pay DB at Alabama. But at Texas, Coach Jackson is his primary. So he's thinking, yeah, I think they see me more as an offensive weapon kind of guy. Texas A&M is the leader in this recruitment still. They've done the best job. They've pushed the hardest, the longest. They've built the best relationship. Ty Anthony Smith, Draylon Miller, Dalen Evans, A&M recruits, commits are all recruiting Terry Bussey at a high level right now. Justin's surrounded by that. Justin, you're surrounded by A&M commitments in East Texas this cycle. It's 2013, (laughs) 2014 all over again. It's Dalen Mack, Larry Pryor, Justin Dunning all over again. Um, But, yeah, Bussey and A&M make a lot of sense right now. The thing I like about what Terry, how he's handling this recruitment, he's announcing on the 28th. He's going to go see Oklahoma this weekend. He's going to go – or next weekend. He's going to go see Alabama and Texas game in in Tuscaloosa. That third weekend, if he ends up in Austin, they've got a shot. If it's LSU, you might as well cross it out. And I don't – it's not going to be College Station because he's saving his official visit, I feel like, for October, for after the decision. He wants to get it all out of the way and then finally take that official visit to Texas A&M. The thing to know for for Bussy, for Texas fans – they're still in it. They're still fighting. They're still throwing hands. Bussy respects that. Bussy loves that they're pushing when they're pushing and that they're that they're trying to build that 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 relationship. But right now, man, it's still Texas A&M for Bussy. Watch LSU. They're creeping a little bit and watch Bama. Never underestimate Saban in East Texas. <laughs> Justin certainly not. Uh, Isaac Darden question here. Uh, he's he asked a question earlier. I, I guess it didn't go through in the queue. I think Anthony Hill will be the best tackler on the team this Jaylen year. Jalen Ford. Somebody says Jalen Ford. Ian Boyd, I have my own. What do you got? I mean, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> pound it's for not pound. the guy that has the most. Pound for pound, it's the Jalen Catalan. 100%. Oh! Easily. Uh, I had easily. the wrong Jalen. If Baron Sorrell gets his hands on you, you're not going to get away very easily. He's physical. Like, Physical, yeah. yep. Who's going to lead the team is probably going to be Jalen Ford, I imagine. But to, uh, to Jerry's point, like what I was saying earlier about using Anthony Hill as a spy, when he's got the range of a guy, his closing speed is awesome. Anthony hey, Hill. I, yeah. Hey, I want to read Jalen Cattle. I did this on one of the uh, coffee and football. I'm not sure, Pete, uh, Ian, just, I'm not sure fans that, kind of loosely kind of looked back at Jalen Catalan, understand in 2020 how good this guy was. I'm going to read you his stats real quick before we get on to the next question. Jalen Catalan, freshman year. Georgia, nine tackles, forced fumble, fumble recovery. Next week at Mississippi State, 13 tackles. The next week at Auburn, 14 tackles, passes defended. Ole Miss, nine tackles, four fumble recovery, interception, return for a touchdown. Tennessee, 12 tackles, forced fumble, fumble recovery, interception. 
at Florida, 12 tackles, interception, two passes defended. LSU, 16 tackles. Alabama, 10 tackles, pass defended. That, guys, is unbelievable football for a redshirt freshman safety in the SEC West. I, I hope Texas fans get to see just how good this guy is. That's Bob Sanders. That's I mean, Bob, that's Bob Sanders right there. And let me tell you this, Texas fans. There was not a, an assistant coach in the country that wanted Jalen Catalan more than Craig Navar when he yep. was the safety coach at Texas. That that was his white whale, man. He wanted Jalen's. He saw it. We all saw it. It, it. And it wasn't just football. It was baseball. And we know how much Navar loved stickball. And Catalan was an incredible baseball player. This kid was just an athlete. And I love that he scrimmaged last week. I love that he's not still in a green jersey, that they're letting him bring hat on a regular basis. I had the wrong Jalen. It's Jalen Catalan. Good call, Ian. I see another Bob Sanders. Hey, look, that's when Texas defense is going to the next level, when there's actually decisions to be made before all of us. When we could all go with a different guy. I mean, I mean, that's where that's a good place to be. Hey, Jerry C, no relationship to me. Uh, do you see the home schedules a minus for recruiting this year? I haven't heard a lot of recruits visiting. No big games outside of Kansas State. Um, well, Rice is, you know, there'll be some kids. Wardell Mack's supposed to be at the Rice game, guys. It's a hot day. Uh, Friday night football, right? Two, uh, 2.15, 2.30 start. So that may not be the ideal game. I, I look at Wyoming as a game Texas is really going to circle. Uh, September 16th, you know that Ryan Wingo and Danny Okoye are scheduled to be in. That means a lot of the other – I think DeAndre Robinson may come in for that game because they have a Thursday night game that week in Orlando. You know that's a weekend Texas is going to try to get a lot of guys on campus for. They're already setting it up that way. Yeah. Does the home schedule hurt Texas? I don't think it hurts Texas. I think losing hurts. Um, and I know that's a simple answer, but if Texas is winning football games, the crowd's going to be live. It's going to be a fun style of play. That's why Sark was brought to Texas. Again, if Texas is winning football games and those Kansas State and those Tech games have so much meaning at the end of the year, the, the hype, the atmosphere is going to be exactly what you want to bring recruits to. I mean, there's no game like Bama to bring kids to, obviously, this year. But if you're winning football games and you're ranked around the top 10 and you're in contention for the Big 12 uh, championship game, that's when things go to another level the year ahead of, move, of the move to the SEC. So I don't think the home schedule hurts Texas at all in recruiting. Justin, you got a thought on that? And, hey, Texas OU, Texas the host school this year. Yeah, uh, really, The, the it, if it does, let, let's say hypothetically, it was a minus for in recruiting this year. Show them next year's schedule. Right. Georgia's coming. Florida. Florida's coming. That's getting real. So I'm with Jerry. Winning, losing is what's going to be the minus in recruiting. These classes are put together before the flipping season starts. Hay's in the barn. Hay's in the barn, Justin. Absolutely. Hay is in the barn, man. Just stay the course. And so if they have any issues with it, just show them next year's schedule. Yeah. It's a little dirty. You know who's coming to that Texas-Florida game in Austin in 2024? Steve Spurrier. Boy. Urban Meyer is going to be there oh. in, in a Grim Reaper costume. <laughs> just waiting, just waiting to pounce on whichever coach gets. Oh, gosh, yes. He'll be wearing an Aaron Hernandez jersey. 
yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to take one. Prison. <laughs> prison. <laughs> I, no, 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 I don't know if it's the prison one or I don't know which one it is. Oh, oh, I'm not coming on that. I'm gonna take a second again. Swamp sponsor. Kings. They, they lost. Swamp Kings could have been so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I, Percy gonna, Harvin was barely mentioned. Oh, geez. Uh, I'm gonna take a second again for our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Um, are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like Bobby Burton that has their hands in multiple businesses. <laughs> Uh, well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that fit your time allotment, financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process that Bobby Burton did himself. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, thank you again to Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net for being the sole sponsor of the Longhorn live stream on Fridays. Thank you very much, Andy. Got time for a couple of more questions. Atascacita and Dickinson at Dickinson. J.W. Crunch, I said earlier in the show, I'm going to be at that game tonight. Going to get a good look at Nate Kibble, offensive line commit in 2025, offensive tackle target Tyler Thomas. Uh, I saw Jackson Christian at Fort Natchez Groves on Wednesday, one of the top guard prospects on the board in 2025. At tackle, it's Tyler Thomas and Fasusi early on. Justin Wells is going to be over at, uh, at Lufkin tonight in uh, old home of Jamarcus McFarland, Reggie McNeil, Des Bryant. Keep going down the list. Courtney Garcia, whose son's on, comes on our live streams uh, from time to time. Miguel McKay, all those guys. Lufkin's put out a lot of guys against Tyler Legacy, coached by Bo Trahan. Lee Jackson, obviously secondary coach now. So Justin will have a lot of great Longhorn memory conversations there before kickoff. Uh, here's a question. From Gene Gasoline, I like that name, on Bruce Feldman's 2023 freak list. He has Byron Murphy as his only Texas player, 18 miles an hour, team best 455-pound front squat, 375 power clean. Do you agree that Murphy is the biggest freak on the roster, guys? I think that's a great question because I'm not sure I do agree with that. More impressive to me about Byron Murphy is that he had an associate's degree before he ever enrolled in Austin. I know. See, I mean, that's crazy. Um, he is a freak. I want to hear your freak because there's some freaks on this roster, okay. and we haven't been able to say that over the last few years. So I think it, this it, you're not going to pick somebody that really hasn't played a lot to be on this list. But Dre Bledsoe's the biggest freak amongst the defensive linemen. I mean, there's not guys – that are that flexible with that agility, with that vertical pop and natural strength, they're just now starting to develop. And he also came into Texas as raw as any prospect Sarkeesian signed. But he's a total freak show athletically. I mean, total freak show. First time I went to Bream on to see him, the guy's reverse dunking the ball, bringing it down between his legs. I was like, mm, this is stupid stuff we're watching right now. And that was when he was about 265 pounds. But just watching, you know, he did something that the Under Armour practices. He was just messing around, and he literally was flat-footed and just sat on, sat down on the back of his feet for like two or three minutes and just like popped up and went out for the next rep. And you're just looking at this guy saying, is this stuff real we're watching with his flexibility, agility, and just natural explosive ability? I mean, he's the guy for me, but he hasn't played enough snaps to be on that list. I'm not sure. Byron's not the super twitchy guy. He's got enough twitch, but he's not that super twitchy athlete, but he's maximized everything he's got. Do y'all have anybody in mind here before we get going today? I like Jatavian Sanders. 
I, I think he has freak abilities. I think he's going to have another big year. And when he d- gets, when he goes through all the, 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 the dog and pony show stuff for the combine, I think that's when you're going to start seeing numbers come out and you're going to go, okay, he did all that at 250 pounds. You know, his hands are size of catcher's mitt. Like, I got Jatavian Sanders. That that that's the first one off the top of my head. Arch Manning ran twenty miles an hour with a New York Post r- reporter on his shoulders. <laughs> I don't think anybody else in that list. Well, and, the, and the weight of the college football world on his shoulders. We have a win. <laughs> and and Montero on his shoulders pushing him down. <laughs> the Broncos are already tanking for Arch. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying Alfred Collins. Um, I'm, I'm, no. I, I don't have my sunglasses today. <laughs> um, so, guys, hey, uh, again, this has been the Longhorn live stream on Friday night. Look, we're eight days away, season opener. For some fans, it feels like it's 15 days away, Alabama game, right? We get it. Uh, season opener against Rice, eight days away. High school football season kicked off last night in the state of Texas. Daniel Cruz, Aaron Hampton were winners. Game one, Aaron Hampton made a number of big plays. Justin will be at Lufkin tonight for their game against Tyler Legacy. I'll be at Dickinson tonight for Tassasid and Dickinson. Ian Boyd will be breaking down everything in college football you've ever heard of tonight, I'm sure. Uh, But I thank everybody for tuning in, as always, uh, for Ian and Justin. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And we'll be around with some content this weekend for you guys as well and on Texas football. Head on over to Inside Texas. We have a live thread, Friday Night Lights live thread, free jump on, comment, subscribe to Inside Texas if you're not already. Uh, Best recruiting content and football team coverage in the Texas market. So, again, thank you to all you guys who are part of making this channel grow. We're about to go over 18,000 subscribers, and we couldn't do it without y'all. Y'all have great questions, great conversations every day in the morning afternoons and evenings. So thanks all you guys. Everybody have a great weekend. <laughs> Good one, Ian.